you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. Good morning, folks. Good to see you this morning. A couple of years ago, I got to go to Nepal to visit our missionaries, uh, Kevin and Cynthia Weldon. And uh, while I was in Nepal, I got to worship in the church in Joomla. Uh, this is a, a little uh, city way up in the mountains of Nepal. And uh, this is the actual worship service that we are in. It's a room that maybe would seat uh, 50 to 60 people if you cram them in there. That day we had over 100 people, and there was no place for anybody to sit. I actually sat in a windowsill uh, and, and had people sitting on my feet. And so it was crazy. Afterwards, I got to meet with the pastor. His name is Pastor Edwin. That's him right there beside me. And uh, Pastor Edwin is a hero to me. Uh, why is he a hero? Because uh, he's preaching in, in, the, in the ends of the earth, basically. And, and he also has been put in prison twice because he's preaching in a place where it's illegal to mention the name of Christ. And so uh, I asked him, I said, man, this is a dead end. I said, you can't grow anymore. You can't do anything. He says, I know, but we have nowhere else to go. I said, is there someplace else you could get? He says, well, you know, the church preaching Christ is illegal, so there's not too many places that want to rent to us. And I said, well, what would it cost to get a building? And he said, I don't have any idea. And I said, well, let's get together tonight at dinner and talk about it. And so uh, Pastor Edwin came to me that evening, and he said, well, this is the best I can figure. It would cost about $20,000 uh, in, in American money for us to build a building. And I thought to myself, well, that's, that's pretty easy, because what we're sitting in here is a few million dollars, and he's talking about just $20,000. So that Christmas, I asked the church. I said, let's pay for a, a church building in Nepal, and, 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 and you guys blessed in, in amazing ways. I want you to see what's going on right now. The first is a picture of the cement truck, okay? You don't see a truck. Uh, because what they're doing is taking these pails of rock and sand and concrete and water and mixing it, and, and they're passing it right down the line there. Uh, that's back-breaking work. And then, then it's going to, the, to where they're going to pour it, and you'll see all sorts of rebar. Why? Because they have lots of earthquakes there. And then you'll see them actually pouring the concrete. They're pulling it up in buckets and pouring it out there. Uh, and and uh, they're mixing it by hand down, down in the bottom picture. But I got to tell you what, that's the first floor. Uh, that's the, the, the ceiling of the first floor uh, uh, of the first story, and that's the floor of the second story. It's happening, okay? And, and the reason this happened is because you all have been so faithful and kind to give, and you're making a difference on the other side of the world. And, and, uh, and you are blessing people. And there will be people that meet you in heaven and say, thank you for what you gave. But that church was at a dead end. And the, why is it not a dead end anymore? Because God moved through this church. And that's an important thing. I'm going to talk about dead ends this morning. I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself at a dead end. They come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. It might be a medical report that you get from your doctor, that phone call that says, hey, uh, there, there's this strange uh, sounding disease and you've got it. Or it could be, and, and, and you might be this even, that wild child uh, that your parents have that, that, they, that they think, wow, I'm at a dead end with that kid. Or, or, or it could be, you know, that, that, that loss of a job or loss of finances. Or it could even, you know, be the, the death of a marriage or the death of a loved one. There are times when we all come to dead ends. And we're going to look at a story today. It's the story of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Red Sea. And God's people were at a dead end. 
They were slaves in Egypt, and, and God released them through, through a series of plagues that, that, that pried them out of Pharaoh's hand. And now God has directed them to the Red Sea, and if Pharaoh comes after them, they're in trouble. And so I, I'm just going to tell you right now that, that, that they are at a dead end, and they don't know what to do. So the, the, the sermon in a sentence today is this. Is God will always make a way for His people. We're going to see Him do that in Exodus 14. God will make a way. We'll see it in Exodus 14. And, and hopefully when we get through, you'll understand how you can deal with the dead end when you get there. Because I'd like to tell you that it may not happen, but I'm going to tell you it probably is. And you probably have multiple dead ends in your life. So let's jump in in Exodus 14, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn and encamp near Pi Haheroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Bel Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. Now, I want you to hear that. Uh, the, the important thing here that I want you to learn is God uses dead ends. Okay, God uses dead ends. If you read that scripture, I don't know if you caught what happened. God directed them to the dead end. God put them there. Okay? He, he says, I, I, I want you to go there. And in the place that he puts them, it says they're hemmed in. Uh, that if Pharaoh decides he's going to come after them, what's going to happen? They're, they're in a world of hurt. So there's a truth that I want you to learn right here, and it's pretty important. When you find yourself in a dead end, realize that God placed you there or allowed you to be there for reasons known only by Him for now. Let me repeat that. If you find yourself at a dead end, realize that God placed you there or allowed you to be there for reasons known only by Him for now. On the front side of a dead end, there's often confusion. And even after you've hit the dead end and moved beyond, sometimes you may be asking, why did I end up there? For me, the first few years of heaven, I'm going to be talking to God about some of the dead ends that I've had and exactly what I should have learned because sometimes I haven't learned it. But you have to understand when you, when you find yourself at a dead end that God's going to use it. It might be to, to teach us a lesson, might be to build our faith, it might be to remove an idol, it might be just to get us to look to him and, and look at him. There, there was a, a, this guy named Peter in the New Testament. Peter is an interesting fellow, and he had some dead ends in his life. And in First Peter, the fourth chapter, I want you to hear what, what, what Peter said. He said, dear friends... Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Did you catch that? He says, don't be surprised when you come to a dead end, but know that God is working and it is about His glory. So that brings us to the second thing I want us to learn, and, and let's read some more in Exodus. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. 
He's going to gain glory for himself. Remember that. So the Israelites did this. The second thing I want you to realize is that it is about God's glory. It is about God's glory. Most of us, myself included, probably got hung up when we read that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Okay, I read that and I said, okay, just exactly what's going on there. But if you do a little bit of reading back, you go back to the ten plagues. And, 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 and God gave Pharaoh ten times. He gave him ten times to, to cooperate. And he didn't. Now, let me tell you, you have two options in this life and in the life to come. You can cooperate with God or you can cooperate with God. I want to make sure you understand that. You can cooperate with God or you can cooperate with God. It says that five times Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And then God says, if you're not going to work for my glory, you will work for my glory. And God begins to use him as a bad example, basically. So there's a lesson here that I want you to learn. And it's when we find ourselves at a dead end, when we find ourselves at a dead end, Ask how God can be glorified in this and rather how can I get out of there? When I find myself at a dead end, it's not about my comfort, but it's about God's glory. When I find myself at a dead end, it's not about what I want, but about what God wants. And so I simply say to you this is, is understand that what God wants is for his name to be glorified. Now, maybe you have a little problem there too. Isn't that awfully egotistical to want glory for yourself? When you're God, that's a good thing. And when we do it, it's a good thing. Because when you and I are living for God's glory, when you and I are living for God's glory, what happens at that point is this, is that our lives begin to fall into the place where they're supposed to be. If we would be living for God's glory, this world would be a lot better place. And I want you to hear what Isaiah writes, what God told Isaiah to write. He says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And I will tell you this, you're going to find yourself at a dead end and know that God has one purpose in, in, in our lives, and that's to bring glory to his name. And if we will understand that at that point, God can begin to do the work. Let's keep on reading. When the king of Egypt was told that his people had fled, Pharaohs and his officials changed their mind about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and lost their services. I, I got to just tell you right here, anytime that people are looked at as services, that's trouble. Anytime people are looked at for the money that they can make you, that's trouble. You got to see people as people. And then it says, so he had his chariot made ready and he took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt and with officers over all of them. Okay, he's saying, saddled up the horses, we're going after them, we want them back here to work. And then, and then it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? I would have been better, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I want you to see right here is what they did there is they cried out to God. They did some complaining too. 
I want you to hear that. They did some complaining too, but they cried out to God. Let me tell you where they are. They're on the edge of the Red Sea. Here comes Pharaoh. They look up and they see Pharaoh. They're terrified. Let let me just tell you where their choices are. They can get into the Red Sea and drown. They can go up against Pharaoh and be slaughtered. Or they can surrender and go back to slavery. What do they do? They cry out to God. And you know, some people say, well, it's not good if that's the only time you pray. I'm going to tell you, it works. Been there. Cry out to God regularly. (laughs) Let me tell you about Wednesday, September 4th. We're having sewage problems here at the church. We have a line over here, and here comes the plumber. They start digging up the ground, okay? And uh, they dig up part of the parking lot, and they dig up the sidewalk. And I'm driving back from lunch, and I ran home to have lunch. I come back, and there is water all over the place. They hit a water line, okay? Ouch. That's going to make what's already expensive very expensive. And then when the water gets turned off, we find out that they cut a fiber optic cable Ouch. Er. They sell that by the inch, not by the foot, okay? And then I walk inside and they tell me, hey, the alarm's going off out in the side yard. Now, you guys don't know about the alarm, but we have two pumps over here that pumps the sewage to the city to be treated, okay? They, they run five to $6,000 each. Something there isn't working, and that'll begin to stink if we don't take care of it in a hurry. And so I, I, that, that's, that, that's all, you know, this is flying at me. That's just after lunch now, okay? And then I walk in back here because every Wednesday afternoon what we do in this room is we make sure that we're ready for Sunday. I walk in the door and I'm hit by just oppressive heat. It's over 90 degrees in this room. If you were to go out that door right there, you would see this air conditioning unit that is bigger than a minivan. And anytime somebody has to come and look at it, it is really expensive. So at this point, this stuff is stacking up in my mind the thousands of dollars that we're going to be spending out here trying to figure out how to get all this stuff taken care of. And I'll tell you what I did. I just cried out to God. I just cried out to God. We've got air conditioning today. You can flush the toilets and they're headed to the right place. And it finally ends up wherever it goes in Milledgeville. I, I don't know. We're still working on the fiber optic. That's a bit harder. But Psalm 107, I want you to see what it says. It's got this two-word prayer, Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. They cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. If you're finding yourself today at a dead end, Know that God wants to use it for His glory. And let me just tell you this so you understand it. It's just a simple, Lord, help away. He's all right with a simple prayer like that. And and, and so you just cry out. You just cry out because He hears. Let's keep on reading in Exodus. It says there, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Let me paint the picture for you. God's people look over their shoulder, and there is Pharaoh and his army. 
And, and, and they look back there, and can I just tell you something about problems when you have them? Can I just tell you something about issues when you have them? If you begin to stare at them, they start to get really big. They will grow. They will grow and grow and grow. And soon you will begin to think that those problems are bigger than your God. Why? Because that's where you focused your attention. What God does here is he takes the cloud that's been guiding them It's a cloud during the day that they follow and a a pillar of fire at night. And and he puts it in between the Egyptians and Israel. Israel. He he cuts it off so they can't see him so that they can actually focus on God. And that's the third thing I would tell you. You just have to focus on God. You got to keep your eyes there. And and you might have to ask God for help. God... (laughs) I I need your help, and I keep looking at the problem. Cut it off so that I can't see it. We finished the study of Hebrews a couple of months ago, and in Hebrews 12, 2, it is an important verse. It says this, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who started our faith and can finish it. That's what it's about. That's it. This isn't in the original script that that we have. I told the other services, you're getting this for free today. I'm not going to charge you. Um, Psalm 121 uh, is an incredible psalm, and it starts this way. It says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? God's people had been in captivity because they had wandered and, 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 and actually been punished. And they're walking back into Jerusalem. And as they walked into Jerusalem, they would have walked in the valley and they would have looked up in the mountains. And what they would have seen in the mountains were shrines. Shrines to false gods. They would have seen idols that were up there, Asherah poles that, that, that look like totem poles that we would see today. And, and they would actually see altars where there had been human sacrifice. And what the psalmist says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It wasn't coming from there. Then he says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's saying, I can't look anywhere else except to my God. I got to tell you, these are strange times that we're in. I I don't know any other way to say it. I, I, I feel like we're hemmed in on every side. There's this whole coronavirus thing. And, and you know what? I, I know we need to look to the scientists. We need to look to the doctors. But I got to tell you, there's one place I'm going to continue to look, and that's my maker, the one who created me and knows me better than anybody else. I'm going to trust him. And then there's this whole political mess right now. I, I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, we, we say, well, I'm going to look to Washington. I'm going to look to my candidate, and they're going to solve me. i got to tell you, I ain't looking at any candidates. I'm looking to the maker of heaven and earth. He's the one that can solve the problems. And then I just think about the economy. We say, well, i got to look to Wall Street. i got to look to Wall Street. I've got to look to the economist. I'm going to tell you, I'm not looking there. I'm not looking there. I'm going to look to the maker. And I just, I just say this to you all. You can look all over the place, but you won't find any solutions until you look to our king. The one who made you, the one who understands you more than anything else. Let's keep reading. 
This is what it says. Then Moses stretched out his hand. I'd love to see this over the sea. And all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. I'd have loved to have gone fishing. Just stick my hand through the water and grabbed a fish. I think that would have been cool. But this is, this is what God does, and he delivered them. And I would just simply say, we have to trust God to deliver. If you find yourself in a dead end, if you find yourself in a dead end, know God's going to use it for his glory. If you cry out to him and keep your focus, you will see him do something. I think about all the ways that he could have handled this. He could have handled it with an armada of ships. He could have built a bridge. He could have weaponized Israel, and they could have prevailed. But what he did was showed out in a big way. Why? Because he wanted them to know that he was God. It says the, the Egyptians were, were terrified. Some died, but they were terrified, and they weren't going to chase after him. And it said the people of Israel gained great faith. It's all simply about trusting God to deliver in the end. I think I've missed a number of times when God has acted because I just said, well, he can't do that. But then I remember what Paul said in Ephesians 3.20. He says, now to him who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Did you hear that? Now to him who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Our God's able to do that. So, hear me. If you're at a dead end today, I don't know where you are. Know that God has you there, and He wants to use it for His glory. Cry out, focus on Him, and then just trust Him to deliver. I want to circle back now to two verses that I think are really important. It's uh, the verses 13 and 14. This is what it said. The people are complaining. You, we read that complaint a little bit. And Moses answered the people. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What he's simply saying there is if we will stand with God we will see the deliverance. If we will stand with God, our past will be taken care of. I want to show you how to stand. And there's some, some different ways to do it. This is one of the ways that I stand. It's just simply getting down on my knees and crying out to God. It, it, I know it doesn't look like standing, does it? But I tell you what, this is a powerful position. You stand with God when you reach out to Him. Sometimes God calls me to stand up and call out wrong. And, 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 to, and to preach and, and, and to say things that sometimes are hard. And I remember the day that, that I stood with him. I was 10 years old, and it was in waters just like that we have over here, a baptistry. And that day I stepped into those waters, and my preacher baptized me, and I took a stand that day. And I've been walking with him since then. And I will tell you what I've seen is that he's brought deliverance into my life so many times. And it's brought him glory because that's what it's about. So that's my encouragement for you today. I don't know where you are, but this is what I know. We've got some dead ends in here. Some of you are sitting there today and the dead end is weighing heavy on you. And I would just simply say it's a matter of calling out to God 
and standing with him. That might be on your knees, and we got places up here where you can bow and kneel. It might be coming up here and just standing and saying, God, I need your help. But if we'll stand, we'll call out. If we'll focus on him, he will bring deliverance. Let's pray. Father, I look around the room today and I know there are folks that are struggling with dead ends. I've heard today already about doctor's reports, marriages, finances. Father, I know that there's nothing that is too big for anybody in this room. It is too big for you. There's nothing that is that cannot be overcome by standing with you. So I just ask you help us to look to you and to focus on you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to work that we might turn these things over to you. Speak to us right now, Lord. Speak to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Exodus 14 is followed by Exodus 15. That makes sense, doesn't it? But what you see in Exodus 15 is an incredible song of praise. And it's by Miriam and Moses. And it is an incredible song. And I encourage you to go and read because it just tells about the acts of God. But that's what we're going to do right now. And if you need prayer, be up front. Uh, but this is it. If you find yourself at a dead end today, listen to the words of these songs. Don't lift your eyes up to the mountains, but lift your eyes up to the maker. Let's stand. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at